Let's begin with a prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, this, uh, this uh, secular holiday is known for uh, a man of faith who lived and died. Uh, we think upon this day uh, for his faith, and we pray that, um, that although his uh, romance may have been unfulfilled, his love for you um, is one that we will all try to emulate um, on this Feast of St. Valentine. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. We did not finish Matthew 22 last time, and assuming that neither snow nor locusts afflicts us between now and Holy Week, we should end, uh, or rather come to uh, the crucifixion um, on the Tuesday of Holy Week, if we continue as we are. So this is working out as I had hoped, um, perhaps without even leaving anything out, as I, I suggested, maybe a parable we might remove and come to later or something like that. But I think we're just going to move forward. And I apologize that there's no handout today, but there is ancient computer paper you have to tear apart uh, if you'd like to take notes um, back by Mrs. Ailhoffen. So it's there. Unless, Christine, you're going to use the whole sheaf yourself. Okay, already. Just a, just a magnificent scroll when you're done with it. Yeah. Um, I used to write letters to my Uncle Denny on uh, that kind of paper and then roll it up as a scroll and mail it that way. And, and then he would, I was trying to be funny, and he would say, you know, this uh, I'm such a poor student, I can't afford real paper act is not working with me. So... All right, getting into our, uh, um, Jesus is in a discussion right now with uh, the Sadducees. If you recall, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection uh, and many other things. And now Jesus is responding to them here in verse 31. We're just going to pick it up right there. Concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you never read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Uh, there are a couple things to be said here. First of all, uh, Jesus is responding specifically to their question about the resurrection. But also, uh, Jesus is even responding to them without really picking on their rejection of the part of the Bible that was not written by Moses. Um, it's almost, I, I think in, in our terms, he is almost saying something like, fine, if you, wanna, if you only want to use the Pentateuch, we'll, I'll prove this out of the Pentateuch then. I don't have to go to Isaiah or something. We'll, I'll, I'll, we'll just do it out of the Pentateuch. You guys don't even know the scriptures, the few scriptures that you even use. So uh, he quotes right here from, uh, from uh, uh, Genesis and Exodus. There are variations of this in different places. Uh, and then when he says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, how does that tell us that he's the God of the living and not the God of the dead? Have you thought this through ever? We read this, but do you know what he's saying? What's the key word in the text? I think it's the word am. Yeah, I am the God of, if, uh, for example, um, I don't know what the ratio is. More than half of you were teachers. 
maybe it's closer to 90% um, in, this, in this room anyway. Um, what's the difference if, it, if a teacher says, I am Johnny's teacher or I was Johnny's teacher? Tense. It's the tense. If you say I was Johnny's teacher, I'm still alive. Maybe Johnny's still alive, but our, my teaching days of him are at an end, right? Uh, like when uh, Dorothy Ploggy was still with us and was the, the, uh, the I was going to say the usher, but I'll say the bouncer at Oak Hills when it came to communion. Because Dorothy had been the fourth grade teacher of a lot of these young kids who were at Oak Hills in the nursing home. And they would treat her, they would call her Miss Ploggy yet, and treat her with great respect. And she would walk through, no, not you. Yeah, this one, Pastor. Not that one. No, not that one. Not him. And she, that's how, that was her application of church fellowship, was just to kind of shout it for the hills to hear. And uh, uh, she was just amazing. Um, but also, uh, if there were, as we had for a while, two naughty boys, now in their 80s, who were not getting along, Miss Ploggy would come along and kind of give them a little flick on the ear or a little whack with whatever, her cane or whatever it was, and say, you two behave. And, yes, Miss Ploggy. You know, uh, for her... I don't think she ever said, I was his teacher. She would always say, I am. That never ended in her lifetime. Um, but I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Why? Their souls are living in heaven. And their bodies will be living in heaven. And he remains their God. And, by the way, your God and my God forever. Um, so it's the am that is the, really the, the, the key um, in this. When the crowds heard his answer, they were amazed at his teaching. When they heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees met together. So now the groups are, are trying to get him. Remember, this is Tuesday of Holy Week. And he's teaching probably almost all day in, in and around the temple uh, there was that covered walkway. I showed you a map of the temple a couple weeks ago of Solomon's covered walkway or colonnade, and he's walking around teaching. Uh, but they're, they're, they're amazed also because he takes every single word of the text of Scripture seriously and at face value, and just as it was written, this is the word of God. Um, and that he can come out of, of that sentence, I'm the God of Abraham, and prove the resurrection, shows us just how intricately all of doctrine is intertwined. Um, and that proof passages are everywhere. When I was at the seminary, uh, we had dogmatics five days a week, every day of our seminary career. You had, you had dog every day, the whole time you were there. Um, and, or maybe it wasn't the first year. I think it's middle and junior year. So two years of every, five days a week, every single day. And uh, my professors would, uh, uh, first, first of all, you had to have a proof passage for everything you would answer in a test. 
You had to have a proof passage ready and, and, and able to go. You were allowed to divide a verse. You know, for God so loved the world. That's John 3.16a. You know, that he gave his one and only son. John 3.16b. You know, you, you can do that. You can break up a verse. But you couldn't repeat a verse or a, or a partial verse or something like that. And so there were some that you had to kind of save in your back pocket for, I don't have a proof passage, but maybe John 3.16 will work here. Uh, that kind of a thing. Um, but Jesus teaches us that there is a proof passage. There are lots and lots of proof passages for every doctrine. Um, they're all over the place. Um, and when I, uh, even, even today, uh, when I was working through in, our, in the daily devotions, I was working through Jeremiah and I found a whole bunch of references that recall the descent into hell. In Jeremiah, in the condemnations at the end of the book, I thought, wow. Um, and I made sure I made a list of those and wrote them all down because many of the things that Jeremiah, that the Lord says through Jeremiah to the nations, you know, woe to you, woe to you because of this, and this is what it's going to be like for you in the judgment. Those are basically the kinds of things Christ would have said in the descent into hell. Um, they're in chapters 49, 50, 51, 52 of Jeremiah. But not just the, otherwise we kind of have two, two texts for the descent into hell and that's kind of it. There's one in 1 uh, 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 Peter and one in Colossians, is that, that's kind of it. Um, but getting back to the Pharisees now are going to get their turn. And one of them who was an expert in the law asked him a question trying to trap him. So the Pharisees had a shot at Jesus and then the Sadducees and now this guy, an expert in the law. What's the old translation for expert in the law? Scribe. So we have a Pharisee, a scribe, and now, or rather a Sadducee and now a scribe. And I, I also put this together for just for your perusal of these interactions during Holy Week with his enemies. In fact, it's all from this chapter or this section. So uh, this is all from Tuesday of Holy Week. So first, <clears throat> right after the, the Palm Sunday ride ends and the children are still singing in the streets, there is this indignation over the children, sort of how dare you from the, from the leaders there. And then they come at him with the, the authority question, by whose authority do you do all these things? And then Jesus has a couple of responses. The first one we've already seen is the parable of the two sons, remember? Son, dad tells son number one, go do this. And he says, no, but then he does it. And then the other one says, yes, but doesn't do it. Which one obeyed him and so forth. And then response number two is the parable of the tenants. The, one who, the ones who finally kill the messengers and then kill the son and, and try to get everything. Then they come back with their three traps. So there is the Pharisees trap, remember, was the tax question. Uh, do you get to, to, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And the Sadducee trap was about the resurrection. They thought this is, this is a slam dunk for us because nobody can prove the resurrection. And Jesus does it with the most simple of verses without even batting an eyelash. And now this scribe is going to come back with what's the greatest commandment. Let's see how good of a student you are, oh Jesus. Um, and Jesus will come back with one more response for all of them. Well, whose son is the Christ? He gets right to it with Psalm 110, and that's coming up, um, and we'll see that. 
So if, as, as you see, kind of, this is the outlay of these traps. Do you think that there were maybe more of these conversations, more traps? I think it wouldn't surprise me at all. We just don't have them, but these are what Matthew lays out for us. Um, and incidentally, Luke uh, does the same thing. So the scribe says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Uh, and we ta I talked about this in a sermon a couple weeks ago, but Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Sometimes you hear this quoted and there's a fourth one. What's the fourth one? All your strength. Yeah, that's just sometimes it's got strength and sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't make any difference. But it, it's, it's uh, you know, love the Lord with everything you got is a way of saying that. And this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets depend or hang on these two commandments. Um, and it's not that, that, that there's a commandment that's less important to God or is maybe more of a sin to break or less of a sin to break, but Jesus understands the underlying principle of all the commandments. The quotation here, by the way, is Deuteronomy 6. Um, I think it's verse 5. Um, I looked this up last night, so forgive me. Is, are, you have your Bible open, <laughs> okay. Um, so Jesus is dividing the commandments, we would think of this as the Ten Commandments probably, into the two tables. Commandments 1 to 4 and commandments, or rather 1 to 3 and then five to 4 to 7, or 4 to 10. Don't do math in public, don't do math in public. Um, in fact, uh, do you mind, Dr. Olson, if I mention this? We were talking about this the other night. Was it last Monday night um, after church that uh, there is a, 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 a feeling among uh, 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 ancient Jews that uh, many of our teachers have today that I think Dr. Jeske, did you mention him or was it uh, Lorenz? Lorenz. Lorenz, who, uh, and I think, and I remember Dr. Brook saying this to me in class too, that the first commandment um, could even be construed as I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Um, and then the other commandments fall in place the way that we number them, but probably with nine and ten, the covets combined into one to get ten. Because as I said, I think in the sermon, there are about 12 sentences in Exodus 20 and in Leviticus, uh, <clears throat> sorry, Deuteronomy uh, five, where the commandments are, they're, they're like a dozen sentences, but they're called ten commandments or ten words. So how do you number them? And if you have a relative who is, uh, say, a Methodist or a Baptist, who or or is non-denominational, which kind of means Baptist, um, at least theologically, that's where they're they're all taught by Fuller Theological Seminary. Um, that is, uh, that's not a that's not a wrong way of numbering the commandments. It's just different from what we have. Um, I have an illustration for this. I don't have a slide for it, but where I draw the commandments in a grid of nine squares. Um, and most of them, they, they all stay in the same place. But do you, divide, do you divide one and two, which is what a Baptist would do, between you shall not have any other gods and do not make any graven images, because that's a separate sentence. So we combine those, but... and, and Roman Catholic Church combines them, the Russian Orthodox and so forth. And then at the tail end, then they combine the covets 
and we divide the covets. So it's not a wrong way of numbering them. It's just a matter of we should understand what we're talking about when we're talking. That's, isn't that the most important thing than a, than a relatively arbitrary number? Um, so there are other things to argue with with your relatives at Thanksgiving than the numbering of the commandments or whether it should be truly or fully in the Nicene Creed or anything like that. So um, we're going to come to that question, um, by the way. I'm gonna, I'll talk about that, not today, but another day. Okay. So the whole law, first of all, love God. Second of all, love your neighbor. Summarizes everything. And if you apply everything in love the Lord your God to God and think about it in terms of Jesus and think about it in terms of the three persons of the Trinity, but in general, everything about God. Then with regard to your neighbor, you don't necessarily have to apply it to somebody who uh, uh, just had terrible weather in, uh, in uh, New Zealand you know, that yes, they're your neighbor, but also think of your kids and your spouse and your next door neighbor um, and your brother who you're having a text argument with these days, or I'm not, but you might be, or, or, or whatever it is. And if you are, stop arguing with my brother. Okay. 41, or any questions there? While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. And here, do you, I get the, the sense that they're in the temple. Um, maybe they're over having a powwow, the Pharisees, or they're on their lunch break or something. And so Jesus kind of walks over to them. Hey, you thought about this? You know, he kinda, they've been getting in his face all morning, and now he goes over and gets in their face. Uh, when they're least expecting it. Not that he's trying to trap them, but he has a big question. Let's get right to it. You guys, you've been kind of pussyfooting around this idea with your little tests, but let's come to the big question. Who is the Messiah? And so he comes out with it. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, son of David. That's not wrong. But Jesus has a response to that. Because if he is the son of David, is he greater than David or is he less than David? Because they had this, almost this, this idea of like a back to Moses game. Like the, the greater back in time you get, the greater the teacher was. So if you cite a doctrine and you're quoting from one of the great rabbis of the day, uh, Shammai, or, Shammai or Hillel or somebody like that, which they did, then you've done a good thing. I've quoted one of the masters. But then he, the master, or your opponent, might quote an older guy, a dead guy. Oh, but he was, he's already been around. What about the great Rambam or, or, or whatever? They, they, that's, not, that's a real guy, by the way. And, uh, and then somebody might say, ah, but what about what, what, uh, what Malachi said? Oh, but now we're in the scriptures. So now that, that scriptures, that trumps everybody around now today. That's God's word. But Malachi, what if I, what if I quote Daniel? 
or the great Jeremiah or somebody, you know, now I'm getting obviously further back in time. And to get further back than those prophets, many of who came right before or right after the exile, what if I go back a thousand years and what if I land on David? And of course, how do you trump David? By going back to Moses, right? But Jesus lands, they, but they take us to David. He's the son of David. And Jesus says that how can David say in the spirit, how can he call him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. So if David calls him Lord, how is he his son? Understand that uh, they had a different culture than we did, than we do with regard to fathers and sons. Today, is it possible that a president of the United States might have a father or mother who are living? Then who's greater? Is it the president's mom or is it the president? You know, who does he take orders from? Marie <laughs> better take them from mom. That's right, right. <laughs> mom runs the government, but but uh, their their culture had no question about this. If you were king, you were king. Um, and 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 so, but David calls his descendant Lord. And how does that work? That 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 doesn't work. So leadership. Um, uh, generally meant that the father or ancestor would always be uh, greater. Um, and so that, that stumps them because if they answer, if they answer because he's God, which is the answer, right? The people believed that Christ was the, that, that Jesus was the Christ. And the Pharisees would be saying it's possible that you could be God. So he's got, he's got them, and he knows that that's the whole problem. That's where, that's where it all came down to. Um, and I can use lots of other euphemisms, like this is where the rubber hits the road and so forth, but you get the idea. This was the question uh, to be answered, but they couldn't answer him. So no one was able to answer him a word, and from that day, no one dared ask him any more questions. So, and from that day, it's Tuesday of Holy Week. There weren't that many days left, right? We're going to have a silent Wednesday. Then Thursday night, they're going to arrest him. The very next question is going to be, uh, you know, are you the Christ? And then put your hands behind your back and, you know, that's kind of, that's, this is going to be it. All right. Anything on chapter 22? Yeah, yeah. I uh, somebody in my household did the same thing. Um, do you know? Do you know who actually owns that land being sold in Scotland? A woman in China. It's the truth. You did not become a lord or make somebody a lord because it's a, a lady in China is making money off of naive Americans who pay the. Uh, I 
think that mine was forty nine ninety nine to uh, to, uh, to 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 get this thing. So, so what what you did was you paid for the balloon that just got shot down. <laughs> yeah. I I really mean the bubble I just burst. That was uh, yeah. There we go. There was I worked at that joke. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.